Welcome to United on the Road podcast. Um, I am one of your hosts, Jason, joined by... I am Augie, your other host, and we are coming in for podcast number 12. Number 12? 12. Okay. All right. Um, so eventually, we haven't done a podcast in a while. You know that, right? Yeah. So I'm busy. We've been so busy lately. Oh, oh. But, you know, and so since we're coming back from this hiatus, who better to come back from hiatus with than the one and only Scott Raymer? That is our vice president of maintenance, and uh, he's joining us now. So, Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Jason. I'm glad to be here. So, Scott, if you wouldn't mind, how long have you been at United Road? And uh, you, you know, tell us a little bit about what your role is here. I am the vice president of maintenance. I have been at United Road just over 15 years. I joined uh, the summer of 08. I oversee all things maintenance and trucks. Now, what did you do before coming to um, United Road? I uh, worked for another car carrier for 11 years where I was also responsible for maintenance. Um, I worked for a company called PTS. I oversaw their largest shop in Canton where I was responsible at one point in time for, I think it was 220 trucks and 60 mechanics. Wow. How many trucks do we have in our fleet now, Scott? We have about 950 trucks and then another 700-ish independent contractors. Now, before we go deep dive into United Road and all things United Road and trucks, I do want to point out that, um, Scott, you are a veteran as well. Um, and I believe you were in the Navy. And we'll say, I just want to say you know, to you, I know I've said this privately, but I will say this publicly. Sincerely, do thank you for your service um, and the sacrifices that you and your family have made in serving our country. So, uh, so thank you very much for that. Thank you. Definitely. Heartfelt thanks, Scott. Yep. And, and Augie, I don't know if you know this, but Scott is now, um, he's a retired Navy guy, and now he's a full-time Navy dad. I, I did know that. Yeah. So, um, here's yeah. A, here's, the Jason, people. here's the news bit for you. My son, who is in the Navy, was just selected to go to Officer Cannon School. So he's currently in E5. He's a proud wild. You have to be so, so proud. I am. Blood runs deep. Navy blue. And United Road Blue. There we go. There we go. And, and Scott will have to salute his son when it comes back in. Oh, that's going to hurt. He's going to have a higher rank than you, Scott. Much, much higher. I'm not even sure how to deal with that. But it's it's hard work and it's well-deserved, so I'll figure it out. You there know what we always say in my house? If every generation does better than the one before them, we're all doing something right. Uh, there so you go. congrats. Very well put. Very well put. All right. So, Scott, so let's talk trucks. You know, we, as we have... Um, you know, talked about this podcast and we threw out questions to our, to the drivers and there's, there's nothing that drivers like to talk more than to talk about trucks. Yeah, so let's talk about trucks. So right now our trucks average about six and a half, seven years old. I think we're close to that seven year mark. Um, now we were about five years before the pandemic. So how did that, why did we go from five years to, to as many as seven? Like what, what happened? Uh, the pandemic for starters. We had a number of difficult months, and I don't even know, maybe difficult years after that, but truck orders were restricted. Um, there was issues with chips. There was issues with um, natural resources. There was supply chain issues. There was manpower issues, and all that added up to the truck manufacturers struggled to meet truck orders. Now, are we, now are we beyond all those issues now, or what? Oh, we are definitely not beyond them. Um, 
our dealers are still under allocation, meaning they can only order so many trucks at a time per customer. So Scott, how many new trucks did we bring in in 23? And how many are we looking to bring in in 24? We are working on 180 truck orders. So the bulk of that order is still yet to come in. So with that being said, that's going to drastically improve maintenance, obviously, with the age of the the truck improving. Yes, ma'am. Now, in addition to those um, 2024 trucks that, you know, on the order that we're bringing in now, we start this year by bringing in some trucks from our, you know, 2022 order, right? Yes, sir. So we the, the order, because of the time it takes them to build the trucks, and then the time it takes them for delivery, which means it comes off of Peterbilt's line, and then we have to... We have modifications done to the roof and hood. That takes a couple weeks. It's shipped to Gainesville, Georgia, where they build the head racks and trailers. That takes a couple of weeks. It takes them um, a couple of months to build it, and it all equals about five to six months of lead time from the time a truck comes off the line until it's delivered to us ready to haul cars. So when I say we we just started taking our 2023 truck order, um, they actually started building it back in March, I think, April. And it, it's been working through the various steps of build. Gotcha. Now, so I would say in total, you know, um, brand new trucks that we brought on into United Road this calendar year, we're probably in that 60 mark already um, with another, you know, you know, 40 to 60 more coming on at the end of the year. Um, and then, uh, and Augie, we're also bringing in some late model trucks. So they're not brand new, but they're model year 2020s. Um, so that's another 40. So um, you know, our fleet will go have a major overhaul um, during the you know, calendar year of 2023. So is that fair to say, Scott? Yes, sir. We have a lot of trucks coming in. We've brought in, I think the number is 50 year to date. Um, we do have uh, 40 2020 com- 2020s coming into service in probably the next two to four weeks. Um, and yeah, we, m- me and my team are banking on that, making things better overall for the drivers, better overall for the agent fleet, better overall for United Road. So I'm going to go off course for a second, Jason. How do we determine, because I know drivers, this is what they're going to ask. How do we determine who gets the new truck? We look at a number of things, Augie. Um, we look at Average age, we look at um, operating cost, right? Cost average per mile. age of the truck. Average age of the truck. We look at cost per mile of the truck. Um, we look at uh, their spare ratio. Are they running a lot of trucks? Um, we look at operational need, right? Do they have uh, drivers coming on? Do they have customer commitments they have to meet? There's a lot of factors that go into it, and I only handle a handful of them. I would say this though, and Scott's absolutely right. Um, you know, we will go through all those different factors, you know, that Scott just talked about to really determine what terminals we need to allocate these trucks to. Then once we get it to the terminal, um, then um, we oftentimes will defer that decision on what individual driver gets it to the terminal manager and a regional manager. Um, and they'll look at um, what drivers um, you know, are running hard o- over the road. Right. You know, if they're running the road a lot, do they need a sleeper or do they not need a sleeper? Um, what accounts are they servicing? Um, what lanes are they running? And so they'll go through a number of those operational things. But Scott's piece really will help determine what terminal gets it. And then once it gets to the terminal, then it comes down to our local management team 
that really knows our drivers, really right. knows um, who's in what truck and who needs a truck, uh, that they will make the determination of the individual driver. So another another hot question, Scott. Why are we using recaps, Bill? Now, I think this was a question that came from the driver line. So for everybody listening, you know, if you have questions for the podcast, you can certainly, you know, we'll give you the number at the end, but you can certainly uh, call and leave a message and we'll try to answer them on a future episode of the podcast. But so, yeah. So, Scott, um, drivers, inquiring minds want to know, why in the world are we still running recaps when every driver tells you they don't want to run recaps? We're running recaps because it makes sense to run recaps. When they're done right, it's run effectively. A recap that's taken care of and run at the proper tire pressure and not abused will run effectively down the road just like a virgin tire will. And it costs 40% less. You know, all things are equal. It makes sense to run retreads. But there's a lot of work for all of us to do to make that happen. And all of that means that we got to make sure tire pressure's there. You know, we got to, we, we, we just have to be careful how we do it. But we have to be careful when we run virgin tires. Um, if you run a virgin tire low, it's going to blow. If you run a virgin tire over debris in the road, it's going to blow. So I, I, it, I get it. It's, a, it's definitely a hot topic. And there have been cases where recaps underperform virgins, but there's almost always a reason behind it that doesn't just point to the recap itself. It was the road condition, or it was the tire pressure, or it was there's a lot of there's a lot that goes into it, and it's it's not just why are we running retreads, it's how we're running them. Now the um, now I know when it comes to retreads themselves, um, there's a lot of things that uh, we do to make sure that um, that we're getting a quality retread in the first place. So can you kind of just talk through a little bit, Scott? You know what are some of the steps that we require? from a retreader for it for them to give us what we consider a certified retread tire so when we take a tire off we try and make sure that there's tire left to retread there's tread left on it so that there's casing left and that's the that's the thing that we're looking for is to save the casing of the tire the body of it right with the tread being on the surface um they inspect the casing for age they inspect the casing for um unusual wear sidewall damage if it was if you know if something hit it from the side um they inspect the bead to make sure that it's intact and in good shape and then they uh they do like an x-ray and it's called chirography where they put it in a machine and they they run electricity through it and anywhere where there might be a hole like a nail hole that was patched incorrectly you can see that like a, a bright light through it um there's a number of steps that we take to make sure that those casings are done right. And uh, when all those things work, retreads run down the road effectively. Now, I'll, yeah, we'll say this. Um, we have found instances in which um, a retread vendor doesn't follow all the steps that um, we have outlined in our process. Um, quite honestly, that you know, x-ray machine that he was talking about for tires, a shimography machine or however you say it, <laughs> um, is an expensive uh, device that some um, retreaders just don't want to pay for it. Uh, so when we find that um, somebody is not following the process that we have or not doing everything we expect them to do, uh, we stop buying retreads. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, retreads are not the safety of our drivers, yep. right? The safety of the people around them on the road is very top of our list. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, our number one responsibility every day is to make sure 
every driver gets home to their uh, families. To their families. Same, same condition as they, when they left them. Absolutely. Um, and we you know, have a greater responsibility for the motoring public, too, to make sure they're getting home safely. Yeah, they're not the um, only ones on the road affected by correct. blowout. Correct. So now, Scott, another question came in. Uh, a driver was asking about um, getting, you know, contacted about insights on his truck um, through the uptake system when, you know, his truck didn't have any, you know, fault readings or any um, any warning lights going on in the truck. So what is uptake and why are we using it? So that's a good question, Jason. Uptake is um, uptake is a predictive maintenance program or predictive analytics that we use on all the active trucks. And what it does is it just it it listens to the truck and it looks or listens for issues. And you mentioned that a driver may be contacted about an uptake when he or she doesn't get any indication. Um, that's the benefit of uptake is that those indications that the drivers are getting, they're like single sensor points. It's like looking for low coolant or looking for high temperature. Um, uptake takes into consideration multiple inputs. And when it sees a number of factors behaving oddly or poorly, it notifies us and it tells us to bring the truck in and get it looked at because these these are all symptoms that all point towards one problem or another and and you know we've been running uptake now uh, three years i think and we during the trial and ever since when when the truck gives us an insight we find it to be effective it's more often right than wrong um there have been cases where it tells us there's something wrong and we brought it in and we couldn't find a problem and driver goes back out and a check engine light comes on or a, a sensor gives them another problem but Uptake has proven to be effective, and it reduced breakdown rates from the beginning by over 10%. I mean, every truck that we ran it on saw wow. a reduction in failure by, I think at one point in time, it was 11%. It stays between 9 and 11, 8 and 12, somewhere in there. And that that's big, right? That's a driver sitting on the side of the road. That's a customer waiting on freight. And that's, I mean, that we call that effective. Reducing downtime is is obviously important, but also keeping our drivers off the side of the road. Mm -hmm. So having uptake as a safety net, call it, right? That can see things before the dash of the driver can see them or the dash of the truck, I'm sorry. Um, so another question we had, Scott, was brought up from a driver to our podcast line. What are the current idle settings on our truck? And Scott, as you answer that, why, 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 yeah, why do we why? need them? Well, we need them because sitting idling isn't isn't great for the truck. Um, the DPF, right? Everybody knows the term DPF, and I know not everybody knows what it is. The DPF is the piece that replaced the muffler 11-ish years ago. Um, you can't just sit and idle a truck now because that muffler turned into a filter and it collects soot and ash and the products that we don't want going into the air. And when you idle a truck, that's what it generates is soot and ash. So we set up the truck to idle less because we don't want all that stuff going in the air, unless it burns fuel, burns a lot of fuel. But um, the other settings are five. The truck is set to idle for five minutes unless you're loading or unloading, and then it'll run continuously. It should also run continuously if it, the temperature is above 85 degrees or if it's below freezing. And I think the third factor would be if the engine is not up to operating temp, which is 220 degrees. So it'll... 
the truck, if it's at operating temp and it's between 32 and 85, and you're not doing anything except sitting next to it, it'll shut down after five minutes. If you're operating the hydraulics, it'll run indefinitely. And if it's above 85 degrees or below freezing, it should run indefinitely. So uh, another question that came in online, Scott, is um, around our maintenance shops themselves. Apparently, we go. you can go from Greer, South Carolina, and you go you go west. The next shop you're going to run into, the closest next closest shop is in San Antonio, Texas. With all the drivers we have going in and through that area, you know, um, why don't we have another shop in, you know, let's say Alabama, Mississippi, or something like that, with all the trucks we have going through there? Um, so why no shop there? And then what are the factors that go into, yeah, determining when we add another shop? That's a good question. Um, we're always looking at where we should be fixing trucks ourselves. The right Greer to San Antonio to Phoenix, it's a long way. Um, we had a location in Dallas and um, the utilization and I don't know about the traffic, but the utilization in the area dropped off to the point where we couldn't sustain it. Um, just didn't get enough trucks through it. We're pursuing shop opportunities in the South um, and uh, like the Birmingham market. We know there's a need down there, but shop space is expensive. And it, it, it's not just a standard shop. I know you guys all know this. I know everybody who's listening knows this, right? A car hauler doesn't just fit into the average shop. You need a bigger bay. You need a lot more space. It's a, it, it, it's a use question. Um, there's a big financial factor to it. I hate to say it's just those two because it's not it, but those are really the big ones. How, how, how much will we use it? And when, you know, when Jason Walker comes to me and says, it's got anything to look at the viability or the need for a shop in Birmingham. We look at the the traffic that goes through there. Um, we look at traffic that originates and is destined there. Because if there aren't a lot, then chances are the truck won't stop there. To your point, I mean, we are looking at some, uh, it may not be a full-fledged United Road shop uh, in Birmingham, but we're looking at, I'll just say, shop alternatives. So, um, so to be continued or stay tuned or more to come or however you want to put that. We're working on it. We're working on we it. We hear you. Yep. 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 So another question that came in, Scott, from our line was, what is the average time it takes to do a PM on one of our trucks? And what are some of the factors that play into that timeline? Well, the, some of the factors are the age of the truck and what does it need when it comes in? And I know that seems like it's simple, but a truck running in Selkirk in January is going to need more than a truck running in Brunswick in April. You know, the environment has a big impact on that. But a PM should probably take, a, I don't know, a, the inspection part should take about five hours. But there's always there's always repairs that go on with that, right? What did we find when we did the PM? Because the PM is change the fluids and the filters and do a full inspection on the tractor and trailer. So I know... A PM could be defined a lot of different ways, but for United Road, that's to do a full inspection on the tractor and trailer, and then any follow-up repairs. Does it need a light? Does it need a hydraulic line? Does it need a tire? All those things take extra time. Um, as far as the average length of PM, like I said, the inspection time is about four hours. I think right now the average stay inside the shop time is hovering around three days. Company shop, in and out, in just under three days. Um, uh, on the other side of that, a road repair, something done outside a United Road shop, average time right now is just over eight. So we've, you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last 
I'm going to say year, but I know it's longer than that. Trying to internalize that preventative maintenance piece uh, because we know it takes us less time to do it. We know how to do it better than the vendors do. We know our equipment, car hauling equipment better than the vendors do. There's some things that we do go to the vendor for on purpose, but PM is just not one of them. So if I'm hearing you correctly, when you see, when we have to take freight, you know, take trucks to vendors, um, you're seeing a um, an elongated uh, repair time. Is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely. I track that every day. I watch a, a trailing 30-day measurement of how long it takes for a truck to go through company shop and how long it takes to get fixed on the road. And I think this morning's numbers were 3.12 company shop and 8.11 over the road. That's not just PMs, mind you, but that's how long it takes to get in and out of a vendor on the road. So it's it's, it's over twice as long, you know, if we have to go to an outside vendor than using our own our own shop. Yeah. Yes, sir. Scott, is there anything that the drivers can do to make the maintenance process smoother? Well, I think the drivers work hard to make the maintenance process smoother for us. And I could say right here now, thank you. Um, I, I think that it they need to tell us what's going on with the truck when it's happening. It's not like it was, I'm going to say five or 10 years ago when you could hold all these little things that go on with the truck until your next scheduled maintenance item because the little things that go on with the truck today are things like check engine lights and after treatment. And those things, they don't go from service to service. Sometimes they barely go day to day. And I know a check engine light, and like Jason brought up earlier, these insights from uptake are I don't know if aggravating is the right word, right? But they're aggravating to the drivers, and I get that. But, you know, a little thing with the after-treatment system turns into a very big thing, a very timely thing, and a very expensive thing very quickly. You know, a couple hours worth of repairs could turn into a couple days worth of work if we wait. You know, the DPF filter, like I talked about earlier, if it gets plugged up, you got to take it off the truck. It's got to be cooled down. It's got to be cleaned. That's a that's an eight-hour process. They got to heat it up, and they got to cool it down, and they got to clean it out. and it's a lot of stuff, and we don't want them to do to go through that. So I know it's asking a lot, but they need to tell us what's going on with the truck when it's happening. All right. So I think that's a that's probably a good place to stop. You yeah. know that. So so for all, all of our drivers are listening. You know the number one, um, we we appreciate you and appreciate the work that you're doing. And exactly. and as Scott said, we appreciate the feedback that you are giving us on on the trucks. Um, we just all we ask is that um, you know as you're continuing to encounter issues and problems. You know, just let us know when you're having it and what's happening so that we can respond as quickly as possible. So, again, uh, we, like Jason said, we really appreciate everyone who chimed in for this podcast and gave us your topics. We want to talk about what you want to talk about. You're the one driving the truck. You're important. So, if you have questions or suggestions for podcast topics, several ways to contact our team. Podcasts at unitedroad.com, email, or you can leave us a voicemail at 734 734- Two five nine two seven zero three, and we will get your message immediately. All right. So, okay, I think that wraps up for episode twelve. Um, you know, it's our, maybe our best episode yet because we got Scott with us, and everybody likes talking about trucks. And Scott loves is having so much fun. Uh, I'm gonna send you some ice cream tomorrow, Scott. You did real good. Thank you. It was a blast. <laughs> Happy to do it. All right. So with that, thank you all very much. Much appreciate it. Drive safe. <laughs>